wanted to uh, you to be aware of um, uh, Virginia Marshall uh, is the grandmother of Danielle Marshall, and uh, we'd prayed for a tumor to be shrunk in size, and it has shrunk 50%. And so we praise the Lord for answered prayer. So we want you to be aware of that uh, today because we still believe in a God who answers prayer. Amen? A God who hears, a God who heals, a God who answers, and we are grateful uh, for all that he continues to do. Well, today we are continuing our message on the emotions of Christmas, and we're looking at the emotion of joy. Here we are, one the Sunday prior to Christmas, and I know that all of you are just filled with joy. Well, at least you're supposed to be. Well, you know, as we think about that, we think that, you know, we are living, really, today, we are living in stressful times. There are so many demands uh, for our time, so many pressures on us and our children and our grandchildren. There's always one more thing that we have to do. And before that is complete, well, there's something else that comes up. And so often, we feel like that we are taking one step forward and then two steps back. And We think there's got to be hardly any reason in that kind of situation for joy. But not only are we living in stressful times, but we're also living in uncertain times. Who knows what tomorrow's headlines may say, amen? We just don't know. Terror is on the rise. Jobs are not secure. Retirement accounts could be depleted. Even our identities could be stolen. We, We never know when we'll be jolted from our comfort zones. Hardly reasons for joy. But not only are we living in stressful, uncertain times, but we're also living in very interesting times. From the politics of Washington, D.C., uh, and next year's election to all of the unrest around the world. From the increase in technology to the possibility of nuclear weapons falling into the hands of some dictator, we are living in interesting times. People are just unsure about where we're headed. Hardly reasons for joy. But even at Christmas, even in the midst of the stresses, the uncertainties and interesting times, we have to ask, can we have joy? Is there a reason for joy? And the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely. And so what we want to do is we want to look at the Christmas story, maybe from a different angle, and see that there is joy because of Jesus, and may that carry us through this Christmas season, but also carry us through the whole year long as well. So if you would, if you're able to stand, I'd love for you to stand in honor and reverence to the Word of God from Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading Luke 2, the Christmas story, verses 1 through 20. We dealt with just a couple of these verses last week. We're going to deal with the whole chapter today. And it tells us here a passage that is very familiar to all of us this morning. It reads this. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That since this first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. 
Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us not go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which they told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told them. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that we have the opportunity this morning to gather together in your name. At Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, as this body of believers has gathered, we pray, Lord, that you would have your way. If there are those here today that don't know Jesus Christ, we pray that this would be the hour of salvation. But those of us who do know you as Lord and Savior, Father, we pray that you'd use this time to draw us to the place where we need to be, that you would work in our hearts and give us the joy of Jesus. And Lord, may it continue throughout our lives. We pray, Father, that you'd use our time together this morning as we now come to the proclamation of the word, Lord, that you would take the word and apply it to our hearts and lives. May we be open. And may your spirit have the freedom to move in our hearts that we may hear what you need and want us to hear. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in all of our lives because we need you. And Lord, we pray that you'd have your way in my life as I present the word. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You see in the outline, in, in the bulletin, there's an outline for today's message. And I'd love for you to follow along there if you would. But as we're thinking about... The emotion of the emotion of joy, we ask the question, is there joy, first off, in our perceived setbacks? In our perceived setbacks. If there was ever an incidence where someone could have felt like that they were taking one step forward but two step back, it would have to be Mary and Joseph as we look at this passage of Scripture. In verses 1 through 7, we see that Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem, but let's look at why that's the case. Why are they on their way to Bethlehem? In verse 1, it says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And then if you skip up to verse 3 and 4, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And so what we understand about that, or maybe we don't, but we need to get, it, get clear, is that each Jewish male had to return to the city of his heritage, the city of his lineage, to record there his name, his occupation, his property, and his family as the government wants more taxes. Oh, don't you just love that? And so Joseph and Mary have to be thinking, you know, who, who needs this now? 
who needs this now? And so now they have to travel from Galilee to Bethlehem, which is between 80 and 90 miles, a three-day journey. But not only do they need to go to Bethlehem, it tells us in verse 5 that, they, she, they, that they're going to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so now Mary is far along in the pregnancy. So not only do they need to go to Bethlehem, they are traveling while Mary is very late in the pregnancy. And there are no McDonald's stops. There are no Cracker Barrels. There are no rest areas. And it's just a three-day journey. You get in the picture? You see in this? And so finally they make it to Bethlehem. And what do they find? There is no room. Maybe it's because there are a lot of people due to the census, or maybe it's because the innkeeper uh, sort of takes a look at Mary and Joseph, sees her condition. He wants no part of that. But whatever the case, it's another setback. One more inconvenience. And so now they've traveled all this way so the government can have a record of where they are and who they are so they get more money out of them. And they get to the place. They have no place to sleep. And now there's this one more inconvenience. They're now going to have to stay in a cave or a shed or an animal stall. And then we see verse 6 that it tells us that so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. In other words, Mary turns to Joseph and says, "Uh, honey, it's time. That's what happens. She's ready to deliver. And so think about all that they have been through. They've traveled three days, 80 to 90 miles, they get, so the government can have more money. They get there, there's no room for them in the end. They have to go to the animal stall, wherever that may be. And then Mary says, oh, by the way, now it's time. I'm getting ready to deliver. Where is the joy in this for Mary and Joseph? She's miles and days away from home. There are no relatives around to help. There are no hospitals, just here in an ordinary animal stall, and here comes baby Jesus. Joseph and Mary have to be thinking, oh, no, not here, not now, but certainly God's son is not to be born here in this place. They have to be thinking. All these setbacks, all these inconveniences, and now here comes baby Jesus, Let me just stop and ask you a question today. Have you ever felt like that? That I just can't get ahead. I can't get above the water. I have such a long list of things to do. I just don't need one more thing. But sure enough, that email comes or the doorbell rings or the school calls. And now we have something else that has to happen. Where's the joy in all of that? And then at Christmas... It's no different. We have one more event, one more practice, one more dinner, one more gift to buy. Amen, y'all with me? And just when we think that we have finally bought the last gift, your wife or your husband says, oh, did you think of? And there you go. One more thing, and we lose the joy. So how did Mary and Joseph have joy? Let's look at verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You see, friends, they were able to have joy because there is joy because 
of Jesus. Jesus, the Savior, was born. The baby had come. God's son was delivered. And here's the thing. Okay, here is the thing. You ready for this? If you're ready, say amen. Okay, good. Here's the thing. God was in control the whole time. The whole time. So those nuisances of having to travel all the way to Bethlehem, that inconvenience of no room for them in the end, that setback of the delivery time, well, it was all part of God's perfect plan. Not only was it prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin that we find in the book of Isaiah, and that he would come from the line of David, seen in 2 Samuel, but also that he would be born in Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. He had been prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. There's joy because of Jesus, that he was born and God was in control. You see, Mary and Joseph may not have fully understood then, but God had the plan and he was working even in those areas that seemed to be setbacks to Mary and Joseph. Friends, what about you today? You have those setbacks in life, those things that you just can't figure out why in the world is all this happening now? Just when I think I've got this figured out, I've got one more thing on my plate. Friends, listen. God is still on the throne. Amen? He's still on the throne. He's working these things out for his glory and for our good. You know, I heard an illustration one time about needlepoint um, or tapestry. And, and I, I, you know, I don't do much cross-stitch myself. Um, but I have seen cross-stitch, and I have seen sometimes, some people, when you look at the front of it, if you turn it over, it looks just as good on the back as it does on the front. However, I suspect that in my situation, if I were to do any of that, if you were to hold up the cross, if you could see the picture uh, from the bottom, it would look like a lot of strings that are hanging down, not tied together, trying to figure out, you know, what this looks like. But if we flipped it over, then we would see a beautiful picture, I hope, if I was doing it anyway. And in the life in which we're living sometimes, listen, we need to understand that as we are looking at our lives and looking at the setbacks of life, many times it is like that kind of tapestry or that kind of needlework where all we see are the strings that are hanging down and the knots and the loose strings. We can't figure that out. But friends, I assure you that one day, one day when we get to heaven, we will look on the other side of that picture and we will see a beautiful picture that God has created for us. And those things that we thought were setbacks were all part of the beautiful picture and the hand of God. Amen? So is there joy in the perceived setbacks of life? Yes. When you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is the reason for joy. But secondly, not only do we see that he's the reason for joy, uh, that we may be able to understand fully that we can rejoice in Jesus in our perceived setbacks, but also in our pierced stability. In our pierced stability. This is the second point. So let's look at what the shepherds are doing now. In verse 8. 
says, now they were, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So the shepherds are going about their business as usual. They are living out in the fields. They're keeping watch over their flocks. And so they've done all this before. As you read that, we sort of get that picture that they, they're settled into the routine of keeping those sheep during the night, watching them so that the predators and the thieves uh, would not harm them. You almost get a sense of that this is their every evening activity. And, they, and, and my, in my mind, as I think about the shepherds that are doing the same thing, the same way all the time, taking care of their sheep, you sort of get the idea of the mundane or, or them keeping on, keeping on, doing the work that needs to be done in order just to do the work. Does that make sense? And so maybe, maybe as we just sort of think about these shepherds, maybe they had a routine that they did every night, just, just thinking it through. Maybe that first hour as the shepherds are out in the field, they're counting sheep. Now, if it's in the night, it could be dangerous if you're counting sheep because they might go to sleep. Amen. Well, that's supposed to be funny, nevertheless. The second hour, maybe after they've counted their sheep, the second hour they may drink water or have some bread. The third hour they may decide that all the shepherds are going to meet up under the tree and talk with each other. They do that every night. And the fourth hour, maybe they'll walk down, look over the perimeter. So there's probably a routine of things they do. You know in your jobs that that's what we typically do. We have these routines that we go through. And so you get the picture here of what the shepherds probably are doing. But for some of us, Routines are a sense of security. They're a way of how we live. It's, it's a, it's a, it has a feel when a person is seeking to go about their routines continuously. It has a sense, a feel of being in control so that there is a propensity to do the same things the same way. Now, I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning and let you know that I am one of those people who likes to do things in a routine way. Angie will say, if she were here, she'd holler out a huge amen uh, right now. But she and I are exactly opposites. She is not routine. She's more like, whatever, it's okay and good and happy. And, and, but I like my routines, you know, let's do things the same way all the time so that it just feels like I'm supposed to be doing this and I know what I'm doing. It gives me a rhythm so I know how to accomplish what I need to accomplish. Some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about because you're exactly the same way. Amen? And the others, the spouse of you are just probably exactly the opposite, just like Angie. That's right. So, so that's just the way God created us. That's the way we are. For those of us who like routines, I understand routines. And for some reason, there is that sense of stability. There's a sense of security. And, but then for those of us who like our routines, when there is something that upsets that regular routine, it can cause an upheaval in the emotions, it can cause us to step back sometimes and regroup and piercing our stability or something breaking into the routines of life, it can cause problems sometimes. I've read a story years ago. It was such a good story. I had not forgotten it and brought it out again today. The infamous story of Chippy the parakeet. I don't know if you've ever heard of Chippy the parakeet. It's the stuff that legends are made of. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage, minding his own business as usual, and then his routine is terribly interrupted. The problem began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. 
She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and she stuck it in the cage. And at that moment, the phone rang and she turned to pick it up. And there goes Chippy. She barely said hello and and Chippy got sucked into the, the vacuum cleaner. Well, the bird owner gasped. She put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, opened the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. And since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him, raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the running water. Then, realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do, and she reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about this event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she said, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that. When the routines are upset, sometimes that can happen. Amen? Well, fortunately, the the shepherds didn't respond like Chippy, but something definitely, certainly pierced their stability and interrupted their routine that night. In verse 9, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, let me just say, it wasn't as traumatic as being sucked into a vacuum cleaner hose, but this was an amazing interruption in the routine of life for them. Now, when we have read this story so many times as Christians that I think often we will lose sight and of what is really happening here. But you have to put yourself in the place of these shepherds. Remember, it's in the night. It's dark out there. The only light that they have is the fire and the moon and the stars. And all of a sudden... As they've been looking for, you know, making sure the sheep are okay, the predators, no predators, no thieves, whatever. All of a sudden, boom, there's an angel in front of them. Now, don't you think that would startle you just a little bit? Yes. An angel and this bright light. So the routine is now completely shattered out of the midst of the dark. There's this glorious light and an angel is there. So their comfort zone has just been shattered. Their routine has just been broken and the unexpected has just happened. And we have to ask, okay, so how can a person have joy in the midst of that? Because that happens to us too. When our routines are messed up, when something, here it is, when something moves us outside of our comfort zones, Maybe it's a new assignment. Maybe it's an unexpected illness. Maybe it's the possibility of God's calling us to serve or to sacrifice in some way that we're not used to. Could there possibly be joy in that? Is there joy to be found outside of our routines? Is there joy to be found outside of our comfort zones? And the answer again is yes. And the answer is found in Jesus. Because Jesus is the reason for joy. In verse 10, we see that this angel says to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. 
which will be to all people. And then uh, verse 11, I'll go a little bit further. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel is proclaiming to the shepherds not to fear, but rather to rejoice because of the good tidings of great joy. These good tidings, meaning this good news, or another word is the gospel. The gospel means good news. The gospel is the gospel of Jesus. And the shepherds need not worry, fret, or be afraid, but to know that the Savior is born, that he is the reason for joy, and because through him he, there is real peace. Their earth, their life is shattered right now as this angel is before them. And this angel says, you, you know, there's, there's a reason for joy and there's peace that comes. As a matter of fact, the angels, that angel is joined by a heavenly host praising God in verse 14. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so his peace, the peace that the father has sent through Jesus is the peace that reconciles us with our heavenly father. There is joy because his peace has come. Peace that only the Messiah can bring. Peace between sinful humanity and holy God. And once we have that peace, then that enables us to have peace when our comfort zones are shattered. When we have that peace, we can still have peace when our routines are messed up. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace, which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So the peace that we have that comes through Jesus gives us peace with God, and that peace causes us to have joy. There's joy in our perceived setbacks. There's also joy and our pierced stability because of Jesus. But then thirdly, is there joy in our purposeful searches? In our purposeful searches. The shepherds have been visited by the angels. They've been pointed in a direction to go see this baby Jesus. And listen to what the shepherds say in verse 15. And so it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Now we, we read that again, we read that and we cannot feel the emotion that is in the shepherd's hearts. We read it, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which, that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. But I suspect that if we had been there and we had been in the fields with the shepherds and the angel has told us that this baby is born, this is good tidings of great joy, this baby has been born and then all of a sudden the whole sky lights up with this heavenly host praising God and the shepherds are not going to say, you know, guys, we need to go to this. I suspect they say, come on, fellas, let's go. Don't you think? I suspect they were excited to go. And we see in verse 16, as they came with haste, I mean, they ran, they got there quick and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, they weren't sure exactly where they were headed. They knew Bethlehem, they knew a manger. And so they head that way in a hurry. And as they get there, they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. And so what was it that really sent them? What made them decide to go and see this thing that has come to pass? Why would they leave their posts and leave their flocks to go see a baby? 
Well, you know, it's not every day you get visited by an angel who tells you that something significant is happening. But I think that there's also something else here as well. I think that there may have been even something more that may have struck a chord with those lowly shepherds. Notice that the angel said that this baby, this Savior, Christ the Lord, the Messiah, is wrapped in swaddling cloths, which may not have been unusual in that day, and lying in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. That, however, was a bit unusual. But I think that maybe when the shepherds heard the feeding trough, that this baby, that this had to resonate with these shepherds. You mean this important child sent from heaven is like one of us? Being born in a humble way in a manger and not in a palace and not in a temple? You see, not only was this a message of excitement for the shepherds, but also I believe it was a message of hope for them. So they weren't exactly sure what this would be, but their, but their purpose for the search was to see this promise of hope. You see, shepherds were really outcasts in Israel. Their work not only made them ceremonially unclean, but it kept them away from the temple for weeks at a time so that they could not be made clean. And so the shepherds were not looked upon favorably by the society or the culture of that day. But God chose the first ones to hear the news about Jesus' birth to be shepherds. To go see this baby, this humble, poor baby that would change the world. And as these shepherds went, they too are changed. In verse 17, it says that when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They didn't keep it to themselves. And in verse 20, Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told unto them. So this purposeful search brought them joy as they heard the good news and as they found the baby. Now, can I ask you a question this morning? What are you searching for? What are you searching for? Are you searching for hope? You searching for someone who understands what it is that you're going through? Are you searching for someone who cares, someone who doesn't break their promises? Well, friends, I'm here to tell you that that search leads to joy as you find Jesus. Because he came for you and he came for me. He came in the flesh fully human and yet fully divine. He was fully man yet fully God. And he understands our struggles. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. And so he came and he made the way for our salvation. In Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, which is Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, our purposeful search for hope, for promise fulfilled, the understanding that God loves you and knows you and came from you is found only in Jesus. And he has been and he is and he will forever be 
the reason for joy. Jesus is the reason for our joy. So whether it is a perceived setback or piercing our stability or a purposeful search, joy is found in this Jesus. And so who is this Jesus? Well, let me just tell you, he is God's only son. Yet he came from the throne of his father to the womb of a woman. He became son of man that we might become sons of God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. He lived in poverty and was unknown outside of Nazareth. He had neither wealth nor influence. He he laid aside his purple robe for a peasant's gown. He was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. He slept in another's stable. He rode on another's donkey. He was buried in another's grave. History has never known such as Jesus. In infancy, he startled a king. As a boy, he stunned the theologians with his knowledge and wisdom, for he was taught of God. In manhood, he ruled the elements and quieted the raging sea. He healed without medicine and fed thousands from a boy's lunch. Even demons obeyed him, and he gave back life to those who were dead. Yet he suffered and he sustained in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. He was despised and rejected of men. Though he was innocent, he was condemned by a civil judge and sentenced to death on a cross. By his suffering and death, he paid completely for the sins of all who believe and set us free from the certain judgment and eternal condemnation of God that was to fall on us. Some have given their lives for other people and great men have come and gone, yet Jesus lives on. Herod could not kill him, Satan could not stop him, and death could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. Having fully satisfied God's perfect justice, he conquered death and he rose bodily victoriously on the third day, just as he said that he would. After showing himself to his disciples, he ascended into heaven. He now sits at the right hand of the throne of God where he pleads our cause to his father. He defends us and he keeps us safe from the enemy and pours out his gifts upon his followers. And one day he will return, not as a suffering servant, but with power and glory to judge the world. And then every knee shall bow to him and every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord. And his followers will confess his name with joy and confidence. But his enemies in terror will seek to hide from his face. He is the perfect one, the only God who can satisfy the soul. And by accepting the Son of God with a believing heart, God grants to us perfect satisfaction, perfect righteousness, and the holiness of Christ. And he alone brings joy. He alone brings joy. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you don't know him, friend, listen, you can know him by taking that first step of faith. Step S-T-E-P, sinners turning while embracing and professing. We're sinners, all of us have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we turn We turn from our sin, we turn to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. As we're sinners who are turning, we also are embracing, believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross for us and rose again bodily from the grave. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from perishing, saved from hell. 
So we're sinners who are turning while embracing and professing and saying yes to the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. So if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith, in just a few moments we'll have our invitation and we invite you to come and I'll be glad to pray with you. We'll be glad to walk with you through that. But let me ask you, Christian, do you have that joy? Christian, do you have the joy that comes from Jesus as believers in Jesus? Now listen, as believers in Jesus, we should have his joy. We should not look like to the world around us that we've been sucking on lemons for days. Are you with me? Are you with me? We need to look like that we have the joy because the joy is there within us and we need to have the joy of Jesus in and through us to the world around us. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then that joy is there for you. And I assure you that the the devil is going to do everything in his power to try to steal your joy. But you have Jesus And you claim the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus to overcome that. Have that joy. He is the reason for our joy in those things that we perceive to be setbacks. We have his joy even when our stability is pierced. And we have his joy through our purposeful searches because he is the one who satisfies and he is the one who brings joy. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives this morning. And Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, we want to be your people. If there are those here who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives, we pray, Father, that this would be that moment where they'll say yes to you. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in hearts and lives all across this congregation, that if there is one or two or three who don't know you, that they'd take that step of faith today, just coming down as we sing in just a moment, and we'll pray with them as they invite Jesus into their heart, saying, yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord. But Father, also, we have to confess before you as believers that many times in our walk, we let the devil steal our joy. Lord, we confess that before you and we pray that you would help us to keep our hearts and our minds fixed upon you, Lord Jesus, because you are the reason for joy. You give us joy. You help us to have joy. And you are our joy. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your children to just keep our eyes fixed upon you. And maybe at this invitation time, we just need to recommit our hearts and lives to you. To say, Lord, I want to be everything you want me to be as we go through this hectic time of the year and then move into the new year and throughout next year. Lord, help me to have the joy of Jesus. Even when things aren't going the way I think that they should. Even when my routines get set back, my routines get fractured. I'm not comfortable and I'm moved outside of my comfort zone. Even as we're searching for the things of this life. Father, we pray that you would help us as your children and as your, your people, Lord, just to recommit their hearts and lives to you, saying, I want to have the joy of Jesus all the time. Lord, help us, we pray, as we come to this time of invitation. In Jesus' name.